1: This is the Book Ride Podcast. I'm Jeff O'Neill. And
0: I'm Rebecca Shinsky.
1: And today we're talking about Rebecca going into darkest swamp <laughs> kayak paddle. And she's going to do the, the yeoman's work of finally figuring out whether or not a tween could survive in a swamp by themselves. And find out if Delia Owens was full of crap or not. Was this historical fiction? Was this a guide to life? Or was this all... Uh, you know, oh, this is all disinformation about the survivability of bogs and other kinds of uh, <laughs> the, messy places. The
0: manic pixie swamp girls' guide to life.
1: <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> it's
0: really, something I'm unprepared for. Yes. Uh, as I was texting you last night, I'm doing some swamp kayaking this coming week on a trip I'm taking a little farther south. You have dubbed me the kayak Dixie swamp girl.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: And. Uh, yeah, I think maybe I will pitch this to the New Yorker. Like I tried to live like Delia Owens's main character for a week.
1: Which the name of I could could not come up with the name of that character if you, if my life no. depended on it. Right now, I have to go. Uh,
0: but my week in hours. the in where the Crawdads Sing. Um, I don't think it's going to go. What time well. of year
1: are you doing this? Is this August? Is this spring? It's kind got you got to do spring or winter, right? Or I mean, are you gonna I guess if I have to do a whole skeeter week, I would, season,
0: yeah. If I had to do a whole week, I would want to do probably like March before the skeeters are right. out, but the Carolinas are already starting to be right. springish, yeah, or like October. I will be there mm. next week, uh, and okay. it's just unseasonably warm. So <laughs> I took advantage yeah. of it. Like, yeah, I can go kayaking. Thanks, climate change. Um, Great. But I will I will report back. I do I think there's some potential here. As long as I don't have to like fight off leeches or step on you know, rusty nails like she does in the book. I'm not we're not going that realistic. That's
1: that's where I that's where it lost me for real that book is when she stepped on a rusty nail in a swamp and, and it was And fine. she's
0: fine. Yes. No, this yeah, is not fine. what happens. You need some antibiotics there, kiddo.
1: Um, so, yeah, that's that's happening now. I guess when we're talking about other books uh, on the Patreon, we'll be live by the time you are hearing this. We are diving back into The Intuitionist by Colson Whitehead. His debut novel on the occasion of the 21st, 25th anniversary of its publication came out in 1999, and I just finished reading it last night. I think it's going to be a fascinating conversation. I really enjoyed getting back into it. Um, it was both as I remembered and not. So Same. I guess that's what you want from a rereading
0: experience. It's been a long time, maybe twenty years since a I read long it. Long
1: so. time. Wrote it when he was twenty nine years Gosh. old. Um, which. For a debut novel, I don't know, actually, his early writing story. He graduated from Harvard. I was just reading the bio. Like, it's interesting what's in his bio then versus what's on his bio now. It's like, graduated from Harvard was the number one thing. And yeah, now it's like multiple National Book Award right. winner, a journalist, you know, all the kind of stuff that goes. It'd be, that would be a nice slideshow of Colson Whitehead's bios on the back flap of his books over time. Mm. Um, that's that's what you call that's like those little animations of a fish evolving into like a, a human yeah it's um,
0: the this is your life of book blurs. this is
1: your this is your life so an interesting there thank you so much for subscribing and listening to all of you over there and then it's—I didn't even realize this till you put this in the show notes because January's gone too fast. It has. We're almost ready for the it books of February.
0: <laughs> yeah, next time it's we're like in next this, week. Yeah, next time we're in this main feed. I will actually—I will then have reports of swamp kayaking. Yeah,
1: you will have kept, you have you will have swamped. You will have I will,
0: will have swamped, uh, and I won't have my podcasting mic on this trip. So we'll warn y'all before that episode kicks off. But my sound will be a little bit lighter on that one. However, I will be full of swamp. So.
1: It'll balance out. right? Uh, Let's do our first sponsor break and get into the news of the week.
2: Today's episode is brought to you by Gallery Books. So Anna Green thought she was marrying Liam West for access to subsidized family housing while at UCLA, which is an interesting reason to marry someone, but you know, in this economy. So anyway, she signed divorce papers when the graduation caps were tossed and she thought she was done at today's episode is brought to you by bloom books charming easygoing and rich xavier castillo has the world at his fingertips he also has no interest in taking over his family's empire but that hasn't stopped women from throwing themselves at him unless of course the woman in question is his publicist the cool, the intelligent, the ambitious Sloan Kensington, who is a high powered publicist who's used to dealing with difficult clients, but none infuriate or tempt her more than a certain billionaire heir with his stupid dimples and laid back attitude. She may be forced to work with him, but she'll never fall for him because he's a client and that's all he'll ever be right right girl like we all know so just in case you didn't know author Anna Wong is the best-selling author and book talk viral author of the Twisted Love series the King of Sin series Miss Wong gotta go on okay make sure to check out King of Sloth by Anna Wong and thanks again to Bloom Books for sponsoring this episode <laughs>
1: Kind of a light news week. Um, let's see, where do we want to start? Well, we were semi-fighting about Barbie.
0: <laughs> as much as we um, ever fight about something yeah. <laughs>
1: because in terms of the worlds of, of movies, we like to talk about adaptations. You probably heard us talk about the winter-spring adaptation previews um, a few days ago, and of the Oscar nominations, the category of most interest to us, I think we'll get into some of the... Do we have one scheduled to look at them together yes, somehow? Yes, we are going to no.
0: predict the winners of the adapted screenplay in late February or early March before okay. the Oscars
1: happen. Yeah. And I will have read most of them, I think, by that time. I have read American Prometheus. Actually, I don't know the nominations off the top of my head. I'm pretty sure that one is... Oh, yes. Have I read them all so far? Uh, uh, have you? It I'm is... I'm missing... Hold on, I haven't read the Zone of Interest one. What's that? Okay, I read that's
0: that. a Martin Amos novel. Um, oh,
1: and poor things, I haven't read. But I've read Erasure and I've read American Prometheus. And then the one we were sort of jousting about. You know, I don't think enough people are arguing about Barbie on the internet. I, we should really initiate. <laughs> we this should discourse contribute about to bar- the discourse <laughs> about the number and appropriateness of the of nominations or not for Barbie. So you know, what should we tell the people to really stir things up? And what otherwise <laughs> is a placid and evenly. Healed um, sense of the appropriateness of Barbie's oh. recognition here.
0: I'm going to let the folks who do the movie commentary, like the the, the experts, the Jeff and Rebecca yeah. equivalents of the film world, uh, do the ins and outs of you know the snubs for Greta Gerwig and Margot Robbie. Uh, even though Barbie was nominated as an adapted screenplay, America Ferrera was very uh, received a well deserved nomination for best supporting actress, and Ryan Gosling, of course, was nominated for playing Ken. Um, so in these best adapted screenplays, it's America. Fiction, Barbie Oppenheimer, Poor Things, and the Zone of Interest. And I was telling you, I do not love this because Barbie is adapted from what? The idea of Barbie. And like, I understand this is not the first time, like, that something that's not a book has been the basis of a screenplay and has been considered to be adapted. But I have issues with this. It's like Barbie's a concept. There is, you know, like a mythology and a folklore about it, but Greta Gerwig invented most of that world and then deconstructed the whole thing for the film. Um, and I just think it belongs in original screenplay. Um so that's, that's where we're at I'm mad about it I'm just mad about it uh, I also don't think It has much of a shot Of winning this category This Best Adapted Screenplay category. Yeah
1: I mean that's where It's damned if you do Damned if you don't Because anyone's gonna be like And, and may, maybe because Gerwig wasn't nominated For Best Picture A very uncontroversial snub Actually as it turns out um, Some people thought Well maybe this is the well, Consolation prize yeah, I mean, You know the screenwriting award But I don't see It is up I for
0: Best Picture But she's not up for Best Director this does
1: happen from time to time, though it is very strange, whatever yeah. it does.
0: I, it's, I will grant there's everyone stuff going on here. Um, when we were arguing about it offline, you were like, yeah, but nothing. This movie, the basis of this movie doesn't exist if the pre-existing story of Ken and all of that doesn't exist. And I will concede. I'm going to let the New York Times's Alyssa Wilkinson like fight the rest of this battle. For oh, me, you did
1: homework. Okay, I, cool. Well, I see what we're doing now. When did this start happening?
0: <laughs> I didn't intentionally do homework, uh-huh, but I was sure. doing my morning reading through the Times yesterday, as I do, and while I was sipping my coffee and gearing up for the crossword, I came across a piece in the Critics' Notebook in the Times called Barbie is Adapted, Maestro Original, Let's Fix the Screenplay Categories. And basically the point that Wilkinson makes here is the point that I wanted to make, but she does it in a much more full-throated, researched way. She has actually done her homework that the, the Academy does not seem to apply their framework of what classifies something as a screenplay consistently. And that is what I would like to see happen here. Like Maestro is also based on existing ideas. Presumably Bradley Cooper did a bunch of research about Leonard Bernstein's life and drew you know, the basis of this movie from somewhere, but that's an original screenplay and Barbie, which draws on, you know, not the same, but similar kinds of ideas is adapted. Those are, in, th- those are inconsistencies that I don't love. Uh, I
1: will take the bull by the horns and say, I agree with that point. I think all, all of that should be adapted. Great. screenplay. Here's, here's my, here's my, um, Oh, you think all prior. of it should be
0: adapted. Okay. Yeah.
1: All of that, all anything, you know, the holdover is great. That's original screenplay. That is, You know, straight down the middle for me. Tenet, you know, something that came out last year. But if an international conglomerate has copyright over the title of your movie, I just can't consider it original. I can't. And maybe there's a different thing. But that's fundamentally different than I came up with these characters, ideas, these settings, the tensions, the iconography, like everything else. Like, I liked Barbie. Great. I thought it was a wonderful movie but i where I'm going to draw differences and distinctions that may or may not matter to other people that means like I think there's a special place for I came up with all this shit by myself. And BioPix yeah, that's I, fine. They get to go into adapted screenplay. That's fine with me. I can yeah, I can I also
0: that. think maybe we just need some new categories that that better accommodate the world that we're living in where IP is cons- is much more expansive than our understanding of IP was like 20 or 30 years ago because now we've got streamers looking for like constant sources of new content. And so we're doing things that aren't just adapting existing plays or existing books into being movies. We're just taking, like, a character like Barbie and turning it into something. And I know that that has happened before. It's not, like, a new thing. We had G.I. Joe 15 years ago, whatever. You know, Lara Croft. None of those were getting nominated, first of all. But, I mean, something where it's, like, adapted from an actual work of literature and then maybe, like... A different category for these things that are based on some sort of existing ip but not a literary work it just doesn't seem fair to me to any of to any of the folks in this category like american the, if you adapted american fiction or oppenheimer or poor things or the zone of interest you did a fundamentally different task than someone who adapted barbie or who adapted leonard bernstein's life into being the subject of maestro These are the distinctions that matter to me.
1: Undergirding (laughs) your your beef here is the idea that this is somehow a lesser award, which I reject out of hand. Why why are we so worried about which category it's in? Why are we so worried? I don't think it's a lesser award.
0: I just feel like it's a one of these things is not like the others, and so I'm trying to think about the best way to put it to put like with like, so that the competition between the things in each category is a more even field
1: yeah I don't I mean if I feel like if you sign up to direct a toy movie you're like one of the things you're signing away is getting into the original screenplay category that's fine sure. that's fine yeah
0: no that's why I'm arguing for like make a new one make it uh, you know uh, I s- adapted third from war IP. for Super yes. Mario
1: Brothers yeah. Barbie yes. the Battleship the Teenage movie. Mutant Ninja
0: Turtles yes
1: how dare you that is literature <laughs> I can't stand for this <laughs> those original black and white comics hold a special she place. She reached for in the turtles
0: heart. and that's where it ended. That's
1: right. You know what? You're going to you can't take the turtles away. Heroes in a half shell, and the original uh those those are those are you know underground they'll start out as underground zines Rebecca don't we get all pavement guy on you uh who used to oh, have please don't yeah that's no one I don't wants want to hear your, from uh, that
0: playlist of gaze stuff I've yeah, avoided knowing that's, what I don't need any of that kind enough. of stuff
1: yeah um and this is one case where I do not want feedback at podcast of com. <laughs> thank you very much keep it to x or twitter or wherever yeah, place you, you want to voice that crap on other people
0: we have yeah the discourse can continue discoursing uh We've got to hold, like a little bookmarker, in our podcast planning to do a, a bonus episode about one of the adapted screenplay nominees, and so we mm. need to decide which one. I am not going to read all seven hundred pages of American Prometheus. I sat through three Coward. and a half hours.
1: Coward. of Oppenheimer. You're going to go to swamp, but you won't go read one of the great <laughs> biopics, the biogra- biographies of all time. I inspired one in the great movies of all time,
0: Wild and Precious Life, and seven hundred and twenty-one pages. You of all people. Should be pausing about telling somebody to go read seven. You don't want, to, you
1: don't want to devote 100 pages to the undergraduate sexual excapades of Robert Oppenheimer? I'm shocked, Rebecca. Frankly, I
0: would be really story. happy to just read that 100 pages if you want to have that conversation.
1: Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> then we'll talk uh, about Poor surprises. Things. I think I, have, I haven't read um, Zone of Interest by Martin Mavis. I did read Poor Things by Alistair Gray, underlying IP for that before this movie came out. Mm. Yep. Thanks. Congratulations to me. I yeah. read American Prometheus and I have read erasure by personal everett and then i have been exposed over time to the mythos the mm-hmm, pre-existing mythos barbie. the rich pre-existing mythos <laughs> of barbie
0: yeah i, I am say. interested in poor things probably more than zone of interest those are the two that i'm not really familiar with um and zone of interest it sounds like is very the film is very different from
1: yeah i'm, the I'm film, interested the book, in that so
0: that might be we'll have to take a look at those and decide which one we're going to Going to
1: get, yeah. Into. If I remember right, I'm looking up now as we speak because this is a good podcasting, is for me to look up page counts of things while we're talking. Um, poor things isn't that long, it comes yeah. in the near the platonic ideal of 333 pages of Ooh. at 336 pages. There is a wonderfully weird movie adaptation, uh, version of this with Emma Stone, yes, head being replaced with a smaller bust of Emma Stone, uh, and knowing what the <laughs> It actually makes sense but yeah. it is something that looks like it was generated by AI. The cover is cool. Um it's very
0: maybe cool. we should let the Patreon subscribers vote on this, or we'll take some input about poor. Well, you things. already read. Oh,
1: you mean what? Because you've already read Erasure, so in I've terms of we're going to pod about. Yeah, mm.
0: which one we're going to do a whole episode about. Um, I've read Erasure. Obviously, we know Barbie. I'm not going to read the Oppenheimer book, but we can talk about it some more. I so will have really. Seen, that comes
1: down to poor things or zone of interest yeah, in terms of new reading for you. Okay.
0: Yeah, I will have seen all five of these by the time it comes out. I'm mm, committed I to will. that. I
1: probably doubt. I doubt. Um. I
0: okay. Well. Yeah. We can. I mean, we'll figure it out. Maybe you can talk about mm. books more, and I'll talk more about the movies. I've seen all but two of the best picture nominees, also, and it's Poor Things and Zone of Interest, are the ones that are lingering. So I've just got to close that gap with those two, and I'm I'm curious about Poor Things, so I'm I think I'm leaning that way. I will probably
1: make a point of seeing everything but Zone of Interest before the Academy Awards. I'm not sure I'm I'm going to sign up for that right now. Zone of Interest, time or whatever.
0: That's just tough subject matter. Folks who are listening, if you're unfamiliar, it's a, Mm. a a version of a Holocaust novel um a, ver- a different way of exploring storytelling about the holocaust the reviews that i've read are all over the place which makes me really interested in seeing the film but i don't know how interested in reading the book it's based on and like investing all of that extra time but that's a that's a high bar to clear i don't think i'm going to volunteer our patreon folks to have to listen to a whole uh, a whole episode about something that heavy either so maybe we'll, we're just defaulting to poor things <laughs>
1: I mean, the other thing we could do, and if we wanted to add nominees, not just adapted screenplays, Nimona is um, mm. Nominated Animated Feature, which is that would be interestingly fun. based and diverges from the underlying graphic novel. Right. Um, and I think we'll interestingly, have some, so we could throw that into the mix.
0: Yeah, well. we'll have some fun with Oscar-nominated somethings. That's as much as I'll commit yeah. to today.
1: <laughs> did you do Killers of the Flower Moon? I can't mm-hmm. remember. Yeah. You did. Because that's did. another one, weirdly... Nominated for Best Picture, but not an adapted screenplay. Barbie took its spot, which is probably the origin of your uh, your angst about this. Is how just, justice for um, Scorsese and his co writers yeah, I want
0: James. justice for Marty and Greta. Can we have justice for yeah. everybody?
1: Right. So you're basically saying that um, um, <laughs> most of these movies here are, are terribly um, <laughs> nominated, and they got it all wrong. And you know better. Okay. This was on. a
0: great. It was a great year in movies. It's going to be impossible to Very honor. Very
1: good it. years of, of movies. Um, let's talk more bestseller list stuff. Um, the headline here is "Big Five Domination of Adult Bestseller List Slipped in 2023." Does this tell the story? <laughs> no. Is this? I mean, it, it is. I mean, it's sort of technically true. Yeah. it's the spirit of truth, but maybe not, you I, know, representative of yeah. what was happening.
0: I think when I wrote about this in Today in Books this week, I just straight up said the headline was misleading. Um, and I think that's, I think that's a fair assessment because the first line of this piece from Publishers Weekly then, and this is by Jim Milliatt, is that the Big Five's grip on the hardcover bestseller list continued in 2023 as (laughs) 84.8% of the 2,080 positions on PW's weekly hardcover lists were occupied by titles published by major houses. Okay. If you are still holding basically eighty-five percent of the spots, your grip yeah. on domination is like just fine. Uh, but the story is that the big fives hold loosened by three percentage points in twenty twenty three, and then three percent, or sorry, three percentage points between twenty twenty two and twenty twenty three, and it had loosened by three percentage points in the previous year. So we're down to eighty five percent from ninety one. Uh, this, I think, in 2023 is attributable, and and Milliat makes this note as well, mostly to the success of Iron Flame and uh, Fourth Wing, which are from Entangled, which is an independent publisher. And then The Covenant of Water, Oprah's favorite book, which sold more than a million copies and is from Grove Atlantic. Also, very notably, all the Sarah J. Moss books are from Bloomsbury, Mm
1: -hmm. not
0: a Big Five publisher, Uh, but you can sell the combined millions and millions of copies that Rebecca That's Garros, the headline. Abraham Verghese, right, and Sarah J. Moss have sold. Not to mention that Colleen Hoover was selling in 2021, and a lot of those were still self-published at the time. You can do, You have all of those folks combined book sales. You can be the biggest headlines in the world of books and reading. And you're still only chipping 3% away from what the, the holds that the big five have on the bestseller list. Yeah.
1: That's the story. Dis, the headline should be, despite whiffing on the biggest <laughs> literary trend of the last decade, the right. big five still control 85% of the right. bestseller
0: list. Like, how sorry is whoever at Penguin Random House wow. who was behind Covenant of Water ending up not there? How sorry are they? <laughs> right. How but, sorry. but for
1: someone misreading the draft or contract yeah. with Verghese, uh, we're, we're not over here. yet. Yeah. And I was thinking about... Oh, god. And
0: how sorry, I don't know Rebecca Yaros' whole story, but like generally authors going for stuff try for the Big Five first. So I will uh, assume until I am corrected uh, that she submitted to some of the Big Five publishers before landing at Entangled. And oh, and Entangled, Rebecca,
1: you just exposed you didn't listen to my first edition I, episode with the Entangled people. Oh, I didn't. Go listen to that because if <laughs> Correct you listen me right to now, that, let's do it. <laughs> that it was a joint effort in oh, terms okay. of coming up with this. Right? They, you know, they kind of came up together. Go listen to the show. But okay. Yaros did not have the full Imperian saga on her uh, hard drive, and we're shopping okay. it around.
0: And so right. she does not have like her pile of rejection letters to show for her. I,
1: I don't believe so. Okay. I don't believe that's Well, good. I'm glad for that um, for her. Yeah. But, yeah, I think that's the story. It's like you, you, the big five can really miss on Bitcoin or whatever, you know, some some really hot trend. Um, and still, this is what it takes to move it. This is what it takes to get them to lose three percentage points. Also, right. you either dominate or you don't. Your domination cannot slip. It's a binary <laughs> condition. But that's, you know, that's a copy editor. it's copy editor, that's style. Um, so, but I, I understand what, what Miliot's trying to say. It's like it, it, it's slightly down. But I think that's an indication of their... Stranglehold. The mm-hmm. strength of their Stranglehold rather than that anything's really changed. Because the, the regression to the mean then would be this year you would expect it to go back up, right? You wouldn't expect this to happen twice
0: yeah. necessarily. Well, and in we'll see. You know, Yaros has a couple more books to do in this Empyrean yeah. series. But none this year. Sarah J. Moss this year. is still cooking. Entangled yeah. is doing a lot more Romanticy, and they were the first really out of the gate with mm-hmm. that. So we'll see. We will see what continues to happen here. But But yeah, I think the, the more, uh, it's less generous to the big five, but the more accurate headline would be something like, you know, big five only drops three percentage points, even though they missed out on both Romanticy and Abraham Verghese.
1: Yeah. The other thing, I mean, this is a trend too, that's important to watch. PW, this is again, directly is breaking out trade paperback bestseller list from mass market Mm -hmm. list for the first time Yeah, because largely of commercial romance, I believe, um, right you know th- these mm-hmm. illustrated cover paperback originals that get you know huge readerships um and it's more representative of what's going on and how different they are and breaking them out that way sourcebooks had a whole bunch of those um which okay. is 53% owned by a little company called PRH if you ever heard of them that way i i saw um i don't have the title off the top of my head but the next maybe there might may have been two more but certainly the next big red tower book came out with um sprayed edges. You're welcome for that. Um <laughs> Thank you. and I think a foil cover and the whole romanticy packaging treatment did did um debut at number three on the uh, publishers weekly Interesting. hardcover bestseller list behind only the two Yaroses. So mm-hmm. Red Tower had top three the three They're spots, cooking. um and, and really cooking there. Has someone from PRH made Red Tower a godfather offer?
2: Ooh.
1: And if not, why
2: not?
0: I would like to believe someone has. But I... I am not sure that I believe that. Um,
1: yeah. And would the DOJ allow it? I mean, would I don't the know DOJ how, allow? I don't Well, know.
0: <laughs> Red Tower's not that big. Because so, it's not right. Simon. It's not Simon. It's not a, right. it doesn't have the big, you know, monopoly potential right. of the Simon and Schuster PRH merger. Maybe they're just feeling gun shy about any kind of acquisitions over at PRH. Also, yeah. if you're Red Tower, you're doing just fine. Why
1: They've sell? Been- Though sell high. Instagram it. Get your $7 billion right. and That's say, you know true. what, the whole industry is coming for our spot. Let's get out while they're getting as good
0: that that's would be a wise choice i think in many directions and also like The nature of these trends, though, is that by the time you've recognized that the trend is happening, the trend is like halfway over in terms of books. So there are publishers still just really rapidly, anxiously acquiring romanticy titles and getting ready to publish them as quickly as they can and, you know, catching on while there's any steam left in this engine for romanticy stuff. But like the Colleen Hoover thing lasted 15 months we're more than a year into romanticity at least from when sarah j moss hit tiktok like i just don't believe that it's going to be that big of a deal that much longer that penguin random house would benefit in the long run from spending millions and millions of dollars to acquire a primary you know a big romanticy publisher i would i hope that what's happening is that somebody over there is like trying to define define probably unsuccessfully what the next thing will be or take some guesses yeah. about which publishing houses are doing innovative things and make those kinds of acquisitions. Cause I think entangled and red tower, like they really need to be eating their cake while they have it. Um, this yeah. just doesn't last and that saving long some anybody. cake, putting some cake yes. in the, in the safety Please. deposit
1: box, maybe get a 401k for a cake, a 401k. <laughs> a
0: 401k. <laughs> that would have been a good show title.
1: <laughs> yeah. It would have been in the old days when we were funny. Um, I, I think I'm afeard that the big mainstream publishing is doing the hardest possible thing, which is either to find the next trend or buy Red Tower, which is try to replicate romanticy mm-hmm. pipelines. That's yes. what I think is happening, is yes. probably they have titles coming out that they, they do. are going to try to package and look like a duck and walk like a duck. Um, because it's a that, in a certain degree, that is, that's not defensible. I guess there's no moat around the packaging around. Um, these particular titles. Like, do you? how much do people know Mm. Red Tower and Entangled? They have their publicity and strategy and everything else going out already, and they do a lot of influencer stuff and other kinds of advertising, too, and they certainly have the money to do so. But I think what people are going to try to do is rather than um, acquire or say, you know what, we missed this one. Let's catch the next wave. Mm -hmm. They're going to be like, let's be the third comer. Yep, yep. Uh, Which is kind of a... That's a house of pain, but... It
0: is, but it's what publishing does. This is what publishing does with any of these... Trends. And I think the commercial romance one is an interesting, very recent mm. comparison that we can reach for. Like the covers of yes. all of those look the same now. It's illustrations yeah. of people embracing each other against pastel or neon colors. They're all maybe very holding cute.
1: a latte against right. a fence or, you know, kind of a ballad uh, Something know, a seasonal is maybe happening.
0: Yeah. The titles are often very punny. All the publishers are doing these. And unless mm. you are us and you're paying attention to which publisher or which imprint, you know each book is from readers are just seeing that this is what romance looks like and they are grabbing the ones that look good to them and i think the publishers now are trying to do that same thing for romance so this is what readers expect a romantic to look like we're going to spray the edges we're going to make it shiny it's going to look kind of magical and that works like this is effective packaging for a typical reader who's not scanning the spines of the books in a bookstore looking for the red tower imprint and This is just a deep truth of publishing. As much as publishing would like readers to care about imprints, readers do not care about
1: imprints.
0: (laughs) There are like maybe four name brand imprints in publishing that readers are invested in to any degree. And even something as big as Entangled or Red Tower isn't going to cross that threshold. The imprints at Simon & Schuster that have Colleen Hoover none of those readers are paying attention to that it doesn't help them at all so if you are, if you're not going to find the next big thing you are just going to try to like catch the train while it's going making your version of it look like the originals that people got most excited about is a strategy that makes sense, but like this is just another round of publishing doing the thing publishing does, where something gets hot in an unpredictable way. This time, thanks to TikTok, and everybody in publishing runs to acquire yeah, and publish the lookalikes. the lookalikes to get on mm-hmm. while the trend is hot. Meanwhile, whatever the next thing is is already starting to simmer somewhere and we don't know about it by the time that thing is big it'll be too late and they'll do it we'll do it all again <laughs> you know, maybe it's like you know, hockey science funny? fiction the next time around <laughs> who
1: knows there was a, a conversation going on the book where I contributor slack about just bear with me for a second cuz sure. I will land this plane it might it may be a bumpy landing and we <laughs> may come down hard and the and the side of my <laughs> boeing 737 pops off Oof. but i'm going to land this thing here in a second we're, um, I think Jamie Canovas was saying that there is no full version of The Princess Bride on audio. It's just a mm-hmm. con, it's just a abridged two hour version. Mm-hmm. Which when I read that, I was like, can that possibly it's be true? true. Apparently, <laughs> there's there's an online campaign to get a full one, full cast. Let's have Carrie Elway's narrated. I wonder if some of the As You Wish's popularity is because there isn't a Princess Bride. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking about I I was thinking about a comment to make a like, what tra- to can we fuse the romanticcy and commercial fiction trends so mm-hmm. we have like an illustrated trade paperback of like a sexy dragon holding the latte uh, with another sexy, they're, they're blood sworn enemies of the guy who runs the bakery and the other dragon who runs the, um, the bed and breakfast. And Everything is and happening off. here. And, every, and I was like, you know what that is? That's it's the Princess, the Princess Bride. Bride. That's the Princess Bride. It's quippy, fantasy, <laughs> romance, it's self-aware. We've done the, we're coming back around to S. Morgan Street and William Goldman. He was way ahead, this... we didn't even know it
0: is your Stephen A. Smith Hottest Take Award from courtesy of the folks at The Ringer. I love it. And I would like you to write a deep dive piece that argues that The Princess Bride is the original romantic hit. (laughs) Oh,
1: man. Okay. Well, that's, you know, now I know what I'm doing my Friday night. I was going to do something (laughs) less interesting than that. uh, But uh, read a book about deer. It's on my shelf. It's right there. (laughs) I'm reading this. Yeah.
0: Not the most boring nonfiction topic that I've heard you say you were planning to read about.
1: So, <laughs> look, it's it, anything. mean, self it, it, it self uh, locomotion, which apples don't have. So, deer, by their very definition, are more interesting <laughs> than apples. Anything can move itself. So let's do another sponsor break uh, and come back. Uh, Kansas introduces an anti-book ban bill. I circulated this amongst my um, my my limited Facebook uh, following of <laughs> uh, people that I <laughs> largely know from Kansas. My dad immediately wrote his state representative and got a response. Love this. Good job, Dad. Um, there's hearings going to happen now. Kansas is a weird one because I think if you don't know Kansas specifically, but the Midwest in general, there's a I don't know my astrology well enough. It's a red state with blue rising. Is this something you hear what I'm saying? (laughs) Sure.
0: Yes. Am I trying to get there? Was that close? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, it's fine.
1: And so, like, it'll have a, it'll have a a Democratic governor. I think it does right now. Mm -hmm. It has had for a while. Yes. Um, The population centers in Kansas are in the university towns, especially the northeast. So my hometown of Lawrence and its county, and then the suburbs of Kansas City, Kansas, and Kansas City, Kansas proper. There's some other places. And so this is an interesting one to me to see if these passes, because these are, you know, de- mostly Democratic, it looks like to me, representatives un- introducing anti-book ban bill. If, this, if I saw this same headline in um, Idaho, I'd be like, I don't think that's passing. Mm. Kansas is an interesting case. I think it might pass. Also, if it's Illinois, this is going to pass. Yeah. But Kansas is a really interesting case. Don't you agree? I mean, I you, agree. you know this as well as I do.
0: I think, yeah, I think this is a really interesting one. I'm leaning towards an assumption that it will pass there's I think there's mm-hmm. going to be a lot of you know constituent support for this just like your dad folks calling their representatives you know to say we want to be in charge of what our kids read don't tell us what we can't do uh, the president was recently interviewed on I can't remember where I was reading this and somebody asked Joe Biden like what's going on what do you think is people's response to a lot of this and he was like Americans don't want to be told what they can't do and yeah. I think this is a large
1: that's right. component
0: of that right now there's a real you know this is what it means to one of the ways that it means to have freedom is to be able to read what you want to read and have control for yourself over what your kids are reading um Kansas surprised me and then I heard from folks who were living there still uh, that maybe yes. I shouldn't have been so surprised when they passed the measure to amend the state constitution to protect abortion rights last year That's right. and if Kansas is ready to the tune of like Two-thirds, almost three-quarters of their population in a pretty conservative leaning state. One close.
1: It was not close. It was
0: not even close to defend something like that. I don't think they're gonna have much patience for Hmm. book banning attempts. I also want to just talk for a second about the details of this bill because I really like this. It's there are two components. The first part puts the onus of the work on the person or the group who's challenging the books. And that's where it belongs, but it does not end up there most of the time in most of the states and jurisdictions that are allowing book challenges Mm -hmm. they would be required to read the book in question in full and then submit a detailed list for why they believe the book does not belong in the public library if you are thinking isn't that what they have to do now
2: I it will is just not direct
0: you. It is not. <laughs> I will direct you to the archives of literary activism uh, where Kelly Jensen lays out in some of those pieces like here's a photo of the one little worksheet they like a one-sided worksheet you fill out and it's a line like what's wrong with this book and someone can just write like I heard it has sex in it and that's enough to get it pulled while they examine the challenge. So at least Kansas is going to make you do some work. Um, you've got to do your own book report, read the thing and then Individuals who file a complaint must also be a resident of the community that is served by that library also important, and they would need to seek 5% of qualified residents to sign on to a petition. So you can't just be like a lone wackadoo who decides yeah. that you don't like a rainbow on the cover of a book, and therefore it must be gay, and therefore it must be bad. You've got to read the thing, you've got to write about it, and then you also have to get your friends and neighbors. You've got to change hearts and minds, and it's the hearts and minds campaign that this book banning stuff is really failing to win.
1: Yeah, um let me just quote from the oratorical savant that um initiated this um particular <laughs> the display promote this is not the direct quote is challenged the dis, a display at a Sterling Kansas library because quote it had connotations of maybe some LGBTQ things. things. Yeah, well uh-huh. stated.
0: Yes. And that was uh, a display in a library that was uh, a public library, books promoting autism awareness, and the board featured rainbow colors.
1: It's incredible that we're outlawing rainbows. (laughs) I mean, it's just really amazing stuff to see. The Muppets, the Muppet movie gone. (laughs) Completely gone. (laughs) Reading
0: rainbow, rainbow bright.
1: Um, so, um, Senator Cindy Holscher, may your efforts succeed. Yes. That's who my dad wrote. Good she job, wrote Kansas. back. Maybe I should interview her. That'd Ooh. be kind of interesting. What's the reality of a state legislature trying to get a bill like this passed? I have no idea. I um, love that anyway, idea. I you just signed myself homework <laughs> on the air. Congratulations. We're
0: giving you yes. lots of homework what a, today. What an
1: idiot. <laughs> I'm such a so dumb.
0: I am not ending this episode with homework to read American Prometheus.
1: <laughs> yeah, you just said to quote the New York Times at me on the fly. That was cool. Blindsided. Give a, give a guy a heads up, would you? When we're going to cite... Crap. So now, Why start I now? Six hundred episodes in?
0: Just over here with the homework appearing no. before me.
1: Except the interview that I did about the specific example in the best-selling <laughs> books of last year. Didn't listen to that. But we're gonna get we're gonna get on our horse about Barbie. Jeff, I don't get know if you know this. We
0: make a lot of content.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, National Book Critics Circle Awards finalists announced. Uh, it's the 2024 National Book Awards, which covers the publishing year 2023. Who knows what calendar part of 2023 it covers? No one knows. It, <laughs> we have no idea. Um, the link's here. This is generally where you get, you can get lists that have no overlap with mm-hmm. the big awards. Yeah. And this isn't quite like that. I will say, I guess my own reading overlaps the most because I'm just looking at fiction. I read four of the five and the fifth one is on my list, because I read Tremor by Teju Cole, mm. Northwoods by Daniel Mason, I'm Homeless If Not My Home by Laurie Moore, Blackout by Justin Torres, and Vengeance by, by Marie Najai is very much on my list. I've read some of her other books before. Like, this is five for five. It's also Knopf and FSG. It's right. a PRH and one FSG title. So it's <laughs> yeah. a big five literary publishing. I guess that's the, the center of I, my wheelhouse.
0: Right I now. tend to, I, mean, I think it's the prh cannot overlap and FSG yeah. that, that rings bells for me. I've read Northwoods. Uh, you have read Blackouts. Northwoods is the only one in here that I've read. The NBCC awards do tend to trend. like These are book critics. It trends a little artier. Um, now before, we're talking.
1: Keep saying words. Yeah. This is great.
0: Before the National Book Awards started trending like super MFA ish, the NBCCs were like the most, <laughs> the more hipster of the selections. Uh-huh. Typically, uh, the NBAs are like National Book Awards are kind of coming for that with what the recent selections yeah. have been. I well, was Blackouts is this a great list. example. That yeah. being the center
1: is is different than it was ten or yeah,
0: years ago. and. Sure. I don't know, like this is voted on by like the large body of the National Book mm. Critics Circle. Um, so that's a point in its favor. It's not just three like three or five people sitting in a room. <laughs> and le- there's a hilarious send up of participating in the National Book Awards selection process in American fiction. <laughs> so yeah. maybe go just for that. Like the whole thing is great, but that's extra enjoyable. The way it comes off in the book, Erasure, is really fun too. Um yeah, this is. I'm glad to see Northwoods. I guess I was trying to guess about who's going to get it based on what we know about the National mm. Book Critics Circle and the ways that they lean. Like <sighs> the reviews were pretty mixed on the Lori Moore, but it makes sense to me that book critics are putting. Yeah, more and more I was on mixed on it
1: too. Um, yeah, and I, I, I think that Blackouts won already. Maybe is a demerit against. Yes. It for winning. Here, I think the NBCC would be inclined to to spread it around a little. If they, I think if, that, if they can, I
0: think so too. Uh, I'm looking Teju at Northwoods Cole, real
1: hard here. Yeah, I read. I'm looking at Northwoods real
0: hard. Here. Teju Cole has an NBCC flavor, but he is not without mm. prior accolades. Daniel Mason. Yeah. It's kind of coming out of nowhere with Northwoods and. Did not get like when I read that I was like this. It's so good. How was this not recognized by more of these bodies? It came out late in the year. It was in a year that had a bunch of giant books from big names. I understand that. I would. I'm also looking hard. I would like to see Northwoods take this home. I think.
1: Yeah, I think Northwoods because it is a. uh, It's almost a collage like structure. It doesn't have a strong narrative. It also. It doesn't have a political or cultural relevance, right? It's just not about anything yeah. that's current. It's, it's about it's about something, but yeah. it's not something where
0: it's like a I reader's book. Yeah, yeah, it's
1: a reader's book, which maybe I mean it's the NBCC. So I mean, mm-hmm. the, that, that's very interesting here. I, I have to admit something shameful here: that there is a book on this list that I knew about and haven't read that is extremely Jeff core. Um, oh. It's under the criticism category. It's called "The Chapter: A Segment of <laughs> History from Antiquity to the Twenty First Century." <laughs>
0: A book a his- about a, cha- a history of the
1: chapters. A book about
0: chapters. Is, uh, that's just so meta. From Princeton yeah, University Press.
1: <laughs> right. It's, it's like the only thing that'd be more meta is like a me- is a book about margins. Just like margins. Just it's just empty oh. book space. Just there's nothing there. <laughs> just... Let's talk about it. <laughs> Lot to say. Lot to say about nothing.
0: <laughs> Hello and welcome to podcasting. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Uh wow, I guess that takes us thing. all the way to Front List Foyer, and I don't have a lot to, I, I, I have been, either. I've been picking up and putting down, Rebecca, me I got nothing too. interesting, I got my book about deer, I put about a couple of things I don't really feel like talking about, I tried to listen to Super Communicators by Charles Duhigg, and I am not into it, I don't no? know why, I'm sure oh, it's bummer. me, I don't know why. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I read a bad review of Masters of the Air. I'm I'm down. Absolutely like, not. We are. I'm upset. I don't like this. In this house, need to find we are not something.
0: tolerating negative reviews of Masters of
1: the Air. Said it was boring. Come on. No. I don't like that. I hope they're not right.
2: I, can't I hope who that wrote they're it. not I blocked right it out. I started also, seeing
1: red and yeah. a blocked out. I got yeah, my, I go threw on, away my computer once I clicked on that link. I got a whole new MacBook.
0: <laughs> you got to go on a media blackout when the TV geez, shows you're on. excited about start That's coming
1: tomorrow. Out. <laughs> I got to get if through the just, end of the week. Just give me something it. To live we just make We just got to
0: make it into Friday. Um, yeah, yeah. I've also been picking up and putting down. I do have one winner. I have just oh, finished right. a praise song for the kitchen ghosts by Crystal Wilkinson. It is wonderful. In the category of memoirs by poets, man, but also food writing, uh, she is the two-time poet laureate of Kentucky. uh, Grew up in Appalachia, the sort of hills of Kentucky, and generations of her family have been there. She's a black woman, and. The very first generation of her family that she can find records of were people who were enslaved, at least for part of their lives. And she's writing about the food ways of her family and the food ways mm. of Black people in the South, particularly Black Appalachians, which most of the time, like pop culture representations of Appalachians, are all white people um yeah. but there are many black people living in appalachia who have been there for generations like wilkinson's family uh, and it's really wonderful it's a it feels like it kind of feels like the rick bragg best cook in the best cook in the world greatest cook in the world yes, whatever that cook in the world
1: yes, yes um, i love and that she
0: book. quotes him in the epigraph of the book. oh really yeah it's like <laughs> awesome. a it's a kind of a family biography like it's about her family it's about the things that she cooks it's about being in her grandmother's kitchen and learning to cook sort of at her grandmother's elbow but also being in her own kitchen now in her own late middle age and like conjuring the ghosts of these women from generations past and how she in her poety ways how she feels their presence with her how she imagines they would speak to her if they could tell her Mm. about their lives it's also chock full of recipes And beautiful photographs of the things that she cooks. Um, Just really, it's really wonderful. It's a very good work of food writing. Um, And I've really enjoyed that. It's the only thing that I picked up and didn't put down in the last week.
1: Yeah, I've been reading some stuff to think about um, first edition coverage, and there's stuff I like and in, in find, but nothing I'm really. Yeah, okay. We're getting into a we're getting into a uh, more target rich part of the year because I did just buy Martyr by Kava Akbar, which I read some good <laughs> things about, and That's so I'm on really looking. For I, I'm going to try that on Saturday morning, and hopefully that gets me through um, the weekend on my audio list. And if you don't hear me talk about these, you'll know, I guess, right <laughs> um, eventually. Fluke, Chance, Chaos, and Why Everything We Do Matters by Brian Mm. Claus, which is about the role of chance in things. Um, And I think that's one thing I have taken more to heart, having done this for a while and lived in the world a little bit longer, is that the reality, I don't know how you, you, we have to live with this somehow, that so much more (laughs) more of it is chance and and circumstance (laughs) and um, kismet and opposite kismet there. Maybe some like Andy Duke uh,
0: thinking and bets
1: parallels there. Yeah, or just... But, but that's almost like, yeah, chance is part of it, but you're building around. This is really centering the unknowable piece. I will say, it's, it's a very weird, strange book, and it's new to me, and sometimes the end really matters, but I am into Dead in Long Beach, California by Benita mm. Blackburn. It's pretty strange, um, and I feel like it's all going to be in the ending. So far, so good, but I feel okay. like you can write 120 pages of interestingly and weird but where to take that is harder still to do. That's my yeah. take on that. So Interesting. If I don't talk about any of these. we'll know. You know, that's kind of <laughs> like um, some, some, some companies have a page on their uh, you know, corporate website that says, we have never been contacted by the NSA for, <laughs> t- for our customer information. And then they take that down. And that tells you something.
0: <laughs> yeah. I also have right. Martyr on my weekend reading list. And I'm going to go back to um, There There by Tommy Orange so that I'm- uh, okay. Prepared for Wandering Stars next month. Yeah, we'll see. We're February has some stuff happening. Even next week on Tuesday, Come and Get It by Kylie Reed comes out. We're gonna do a book club episode about that in a couple of weeks. So I'll be holding off on it. I won't be reading it on pub day since I'll save my reading for closer to the recording. But we start cooking a little bit more with exciting stuff in February. I'm bummed to hear that about super communicators. I'm gonna have to pick it up myself and see if it was you or if it's Charles. I
1: I feel like it might be, it could be Calm A and Calm B. I feel like my appetite for the airport professional development book, I don't know. It's good. Someone's got to come up with something new, right? I've, I've eaten a lot of meals at this particular <laughs> restaurant and I just. Yeah, I a think little else.
0: I want more of them to talking be... is good,
1: communicating is good. Oh, right. Rebecca, yeah. news at eleven. I mean, Jesus. <laughs> I mean,
0: just to bring up Kate Murphy one more time, I think I yeah, want more right. books like that to be like yeah. what you're not listening is like. Here's a deep dive into something where experts talk about it, and you can glean mm. your own lessons from it. But it's not a prescriptive how-to. That's I think that's more the flavor I'm going for right now.
1: Yeah, and it's like the writing itself is not bad but it's like lowest common denominator the sentences are meant to get out of the way of the information yeah, yeah. you know i like a little i like a little sparkle i like a little dazzle i like a lot of articulation a little flair.
0: well um, it's the 10th yeah. uh, anniversary of literary a more beautiful self, question literary
1: literary business books is that a category <laughs> did i just invent that <laughs>
0: I hope you don't intend to sell nearly as many of them as they currently do, not written in a literary style. Yeah, well, I got to get
1: cracking on my um, Friends the Enemies Dragons in a Small New England Town <laughs> book. That's gold, Jerry. I look forward of, to it. Speaking of gold, Rebecca's new newsletter, Better Living Through Books. Speaking of professional development, <laughs> you can sign up for that now. There's also the Book Rap Podcast newsletter, yes. which I'm putting together the next edition of tomorrow. Um, there'll be some follow up on follow up. I think even in that, uh, it's follow up all the way down. Um, <laughs> and if you were of the first edition persuasion, uh, I've taken a little pause for January to get my head around what it means to do this show twice a week plus Patreon. But I just recorded an episode on the state, the modern state of e reading, with Jason Snell, who is uh, a I'd say an e reader connoisseur and has been covering e readers for a long time. So we nerd out about that. We got some other stuff coming, so that is still cooking along. Uh, the it books we're going to get into next week. And in about five minutes, we're going to dive into the intuitionist, which you will have already had the chance to hear if you're a Patreon subscriber, patreon.com slash book podcast. Rebecca, thank you so much. Thank you.